Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Lori Gibbons, and today I will be reading Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 and 6 through 7, and Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, Let there be light, and so light appeared. God said, Let there be a dome in the middle of the waters to separate the waters from each other. God made the dome and separated the waters under the dome from the waters above the dome. And it happened in that way. And from Matthew, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them, I have received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Look, I will be with you every day until the end of this present age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lori, thank you for reading the scripture today. We appreciate you doing that. So today in the, in the Christian calendar, the, the church year, today we begin the period of time known as ordinary time. Can you feel the excitement? Yeah, right? You can just feel it kind of, wow, ordinary time. Yeah, woohoo. Yeah, so, so let me explain just a little bit. So ordinary time is actually named because of the ways that we number the weeks. It's about ordinal numbers, right? How you say in a race, that person was in first, that person's in second, that person's in third. So today we start the first Sunday after the, after the day of Pentecost. You say that the cycles in the, in the church year kind of revolve around Christmas. You've got Advent, Christmas, Epiphany. Then you've got Easter, right? Lent, Easter, Pentecost. So now the 30-some-odd weeks of ordinary time. But it's not ordinary in terms of boring. It's not ordinary in terms of... of uh, uh, meaningless. It, it's, it's about a time of action. So today also, the first Sunday, is observed in many Christian circles as Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday. So we're going to talk about that a little bit because it really ties into uh, the gospel uh, passage that, we, uh, that uh, Lori read just a little bit ago. So Trinity, right? The notion of God in three persons is kind of the traditional way it's been spoken of for a long time. I, I know when I was younger and I would think of, okay, there's three, three persons of God and yet at the same time I'm told there's one God. Well, how can it be? There's three. And so I really struggle with that. And as I've all through the years and the things I've learned, and I, I just say there's three expressions of God. There are three expressions of God that, uh, and my guess is each one of us in this room, there's more than one expression of you, of who you are. There are more than one expression of who God is. And so uh, there's, there's the Father, 
we traditionally call God the Father, the, the Creator God, Eternal God, because before there was anything, God was. Then there's the Son, with Word made flesh to live with us, to be with us. And then there's the Holy Spirit, God as Spirit. The Spirit blows like a wind and is, a, is as close as a breath. Now, all of those are active and available at all times. This is not just a, you know, separate kinds of things. I mean, in the, in the Scripture reading from Genesis, you have God who spoke, who said, let there be light. But before that happened, right, God's, it said God's wind. That the, there can also be translated God's spirit was, was over the waters of the deep. So God's Spirit was involved. Paul, later in, in the New Testament, talks about how Jesus was involved in the creation of all things. So God, the expressions of God are always active. But as you go through the Bible, you have uh, the priority, so to speak, or the, or the emphasis on one or the other. And so after Pentecost, it is the time of the Spirit. So Following Pentecost, uh, which happens in the book of Acts, right? Acts chapter 2. And, and so when you, you read that in Acts chapter 2, well, there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. The rest of it is about the, the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's about the spread of the gospel and the development of the church. I mean, churches are started. And, and so then there's also the teachings about what it means to be church. What does it mean to live in this different community? Because now it's a community that's no longer defined simply by ethnic lines. It's no longer defined simply by religious lines or language lines. It's all-inclusive. So what does that look like to live in that kind of Christian community? And so there's the teachings in the New Testament about what that is. All this is important. And this ordinary time is when we explore all these things. So, uh, so because of the act of Pentecost and because of now we're in, in this action-oriented ordinary time, we look at the scripture passage in the gospel where Jesus is on the mountain with his disciples. Uh, he, uh, um, he had told them after his resurrection, he said, go to Galilee, I'll meet you on the mountain. And, and so in Matthew, that's also always code language for something really important is going to happen here. And so there they are on the, mount, on the mountain, but it's with 11 disciples, right? It's with 11, no longer the 12, because Judas betrayed Jesus. Kind of a somber moment, right? For, I would think for everybody. And even at that, of the, of the 11 that were there, it said some worshipped him and some doubted. They were struggling. Some were already convinced. Some were like, I just don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think this reminds us of the humanity of the disciples. Yes, now we refer to them, we might refer to them as St. Andrew and St. Peter and St. John, but that's in retrospect. <laughs> At the time, their humanity was on full display. And despite that, Yet, Jesus commissioned them. He commissioned them. He sent them out. Go, therefore, to make disciples of all nations. Now, I've said this before. 
in case you hadn't heard me say this, when, when you see the word nations in the Bible, that's not talking about the way we think of nations. It's not a political entity. Um, it's more of people groups. It's, it's people groups. I mean, you can, I mean, if you've seen those maps of the, of the United States when it shows uh, the native peoples who lived here and, and the nations of the Cherokee or the Shawnee or the, okay, they're people groups right? And so when the Bible says that in in the ancient world, that's what they were referring to. Even within one empire, you might be able to have several different nations of people who are based in their their history, their geography, their language, their cultural practices. So when he says, go to all nations, it's not saying this is a political thing. It's saying, go to all people. Wherever they are, whatever language they speak, whatever they look like, go. Go. Go to make disciples. Here's how the United Methodist Church, how we say this is our mission statement of the denomination, that we are to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Because we believe, well, the Bible says that, you know, this, what we see now, the reality now is not the final answer. God intends there to be a new heaven and a new earth. And the way toward that is in making disciples for the transformation of the world. So let's look at this, what Jesus, uh, and what Jesus really meant by this, because he said to make disciples. I've been in church discussions around this when a church was wrestling with what their mission statement was, and they had always talked about, well, maybe it should just be make disciples. And, and there's always somebody who says, I'm really uncomfortable with make. I'm really uncomfortable with the word make. I mean, that sounds like we're going to make people be disciples. Well, Certainly, historically, there are some, there are some situations where uh, folks have uh, done that, uh, where folks have done that. Uh, I lived in New Mexico for a number of years, many of y'all know that, and, and so, um, and you probably know that the, the Christianity first appeared in what we now know as the United States, it first appeared in the desert southwest, not the East Coast. It appeared in the desert southwest, and it was uh, Spaniard conquistadors, uh, and often they were accompanied by missionaries, and if they wasn't accompanied, pretty soon they were followed by missionaries establishing missions. And, and the, it, it, I mean, really interesting and sad history, uh, in New Mexico specifically, of some of the very cruel things that were done in the name of Christ on the native people to say, well, I will make you be a disciple. So I don't think that's what Jesus meant, because, I mean, good grief. When you, we've, you've dropped off somebody somewhere before, uh, one of your kids or someone else's kid or, or a friend, and you drop them off at a, at a sports camp or at the gym or at a new school or whatever, and you say, I hope you make new friends. Well, we're not inviting them to go grab somebody by the throat and say, you're going to be my friend, right? No, that's not what that means. Think in terms of develop, grow encourage, train. That's, that's, what it is, that's what is meant. But, but I spend time talking about that because, you see, I think that's part of what's embedded in the culture wars that are going on now. We're going to make people be right. I think it's embedded in that. So I think we have to be careful about this uh, as Christians. So to understand the use of make, we also have to know, take note of Jesus said he's been given all authority. Authority. 
He's been given authority. Um, I mean, and, and, and it's important to note the distinction. It's one thing to be in authority. It's another thing to be an authority. Uh, you see the difference. I mean, those are two really different things. We have a love-hate relationship with authority. And this is human. This is not just us. I mean, I'm talking to everybody all the time. Humans have always had a love-hate relationship with authority because we love authority if I'm in authority. <laughs> Or if I'm in the group of people who have authority, I love that. But if I'm not in authority, well, I really don't like authority. We always struggle with that because it's about power. We see it as about power. Being an authority is something very different. Yes, in authority is you're, you're put in a position, whether it's your job or whatever it is, uh, and you are in authority over others. And authority means that you demonstrate the principles and the qualities that fit that role. So, so if someone has spent their career studying uh, whatever, <laughs> studying medicine, uh, studying history, they're probably an authority because they can demonstrate knowledge, a mastery of the subject, right? They may or may not be in authority, but they would be an authority. So Jesus saying he is, he has all authority. So he is in authority. And he is an authority. He's done it. I mean, he, 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 was, he was born a human. He uh, faced uh, temptation after his baptism. He, he withstood the temptation. He ultimately gave his life out of love. I mean, he's done it. So he is an authority, he's now in authority, and he's, and he's communicating with his disciples about what that means going forward. So there are three expressions of what it is to make disciples that he describes here, three expressions that he describes, aspects of the Christian life, uh, things that Jesus is saying, these are things that when you go, as he commissions them, these are things to do. So we'll talk about those. We're going to baptize them. Again, not forced baptisms. That, yes, that, is, that has occurred historically. No, not forced. But as you make disciples, you will baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Ah, there we go. There's the Trinity, right? That's part of why this scripture is used on Trinity Sunday. You will baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And baptism is something that is not just a ritual in the church, um, uh, I mean, it, it is, yes, but it's not simply that. I mean, baptism has its roots in purification rites, um, cleansing a person. Sometimes a person, let's say, that has some kind of skin disorder, and, and the community in the ancient world, and, and the community said, man, we, we have no idea what that is. You're going to need to step away for a little bit. And then, you know, whatever it was, let's say it clears up and it's healed. Well, they would likely go through a ritual cleansing to show they are now clean. That's where baptism has its roots. So we talk about Jesus washing away our sin, that we are now a new person. That's the idea of baptism. It's a way of saying that, that we acknowledge and we receive that Christ has forgiven us, but it also incorporates us into a community. We're not isolated as Christians. We're in this together. We, we sometimes act like we're isolated and argue with one another tremendously, but we're in this together. God intends us to be 
one body, many members, one body. So baptize them. Teach them. Teach them. You know, there's, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn about the Bible. There's a lot to learn about the church, a uh, lot to learn about worship and liturgy. There's a lot to learn about serving. There lots to learn. And so it's important for us to be taught by someone who's an authority, right? It's important to be taught so we can learn uh, in, in that way. Uh, and, and I think we, at the same time, we have to take responsibility for our own learning. If someone's going to teach, I need to be willing to learn, right? I have a person that uh, once at a different church somewhere else years ago, this, I've never had someone say this to me here at this church, so this was somewhere else. Um, I came to me after a service and, and he said, you know, we should be more of a Bible reading church. And I said, well, you can, that, that, you can never have too much of that. I mean, I, I would not disagree with that. And I, and, and I said, so tell me, what is it you do that helps you? What is it that helps you to really not just learn about the scripture, but for you to really embrace it into your life? And he pretty quickly said, oh, I, I don't read it very much. Right. <laughs> The church, we should be a Bible-reading church, but me, oh, no, no, it doesn't work that way. And, and, and two, right now, there's a lot of people, a lot of people saying, the Bible says, that's wrong, that's right, the Bible says. And I, every time I do this, uh, well, one thing goes through my mind is I'm thinking, are they an authority on the Bible? Are they an authority? Because I, I, I always I remember the time Jesus, after he, after he was baptized by his cousin John, the baptizer, and he was forced into the, by the Spirit into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says, and he was tempted by Satan. And Satan quoted Scripture at him. Sure enough, he quoted Scripture at him. See, I think sometimes in our day and time when someone starts quoting Scripture, we kind of back off like, oh, well, I, they must know that better than I do. They know something I don't know. I, I'm not, okay. If they say it's in the Bible, okay. Well, you know, Satan quoted Scripture. And Jesus came back at him quoting another Scripture that provided the context to understand the Scripture Satan had quoted. So it's important these days that we pay attention to that. Teach them to obey everything I commanded you. Ah, so we're not just going to teach in authority. We're not just going to go teach in authority that I'm here to tell you. It's to be an authority, to go in, because Jesus is not commanding you anything different than he does me didn't command the disciples anything different than the people they went out to reach. I mean, I've told before that uh, Matthew uh, it is told that after everything, after they moved on, he went to Ethiopia. He went a long way. But we are commanded to do the same things. And so we do that so people can see in us the qualities, the characteristics that God wants us to have. That is part of the teaching that we do, right? That people go, oh, I see how you handled that situation there. Okay, that helps me learn. To obey everything I have commanded you. So that we would not simply try to come at this as in authority, but we would be an authority by seeking to be 
faithful to the character of Christ in our lives. Go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus commissions us to continue that work. Not, not to be spectacular. Maybe just in our ordinary life, in ordinary time. First I'll do this, and then I'll do that. But to live out our own expressions of God's love and grace in our own life. So that we, in our own ex- inter- interactions with other people, can be proclaiming the good news in the ways that we act, in the ways that we talk. And we would do that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.